looking at Exodus chapter 7, verses 8 through 13. Exodus 7, verses 8 through 13. There the scripture says, Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, Prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Our Heavenly Father, as we have heard your word, we now pray that you would open our ears, open our hearts to receive it, that we would not uh, be like Pharaoh, but that we would have softened hearts towards you and to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One of my favorite songs, uh, it's an old song, the chorus of it goes like this, signs, signs, everywhere signs, blocking out the scenery, breaking my mind. Anybody know that song? Do this. Don't do that. Can't you read the signs? Right, by nature, we don't like signs. Especially if they're signs that tell us what to do. Uh, think about a few signs that you've seen that you probably didn't like too much. No cell phone use. Right? You see that in hospitals sometimes. And know what I've noticed about myself and other people? We still use cell phones in there. Right? It won't hurt just this one time. We'll still use it. Or... A sign that says, no food or drink. And what we see people sneaking a little food, drink. Think about a movie theater. And no, no food or drink from the outside. We don't like those rules that tell us what to do. Or a speed limit sign. I once saw a sign on a, a, a Facebook post, a Facebook picture. Someone had been somewhere and there was a fence. And the sign said, do not sit on fence. I, I commented, please tell me where that fence is so I can go sit on it. Right? There's something about uh, signs that tell us what to do or what not to do that m- makes us want to rebel inside. We just, we just want to do it. You tell a child, do not touch that. And he's going to just ever so slightly touch it. Or he may just defiantly touch it. There are signs that tell us what we should and shouldn't do. And there are also signs that warn us about what's going to happen if we don't do something or What's going to happen if we do something? Our, there's a little light probably on your dashboard in your, your car. Check engine light. Sometimes we ignore those for miles and miles and miles and miles, but if it's something very important, you're going to be sorry that you ignored the warning that was there. In our text today, God is warning Pharaoh that he's going to, he's going to win. And Pharaoh does not listen. He ignores the warning. And it's going to result in a terrible ending for Pharaoh and all of his people. There are many today in our world, family, friends, neighbors, who also see warning signs all around them. And they ignore them. They ignore the warning signs that God gives them. They ignore God and His authority. You may be sitting here today and you have ignored words 
from God. His authority. May it not be us. Do not ignore the signs that God gives us in His Word. In this text, I want us to consider Pharaoh's response to God's authority. Uh, Pharaoh's response to God's words and His warning. Authority means that He is the one who's in control. He's the one who gets to make the rules, to lay the law down. God is in authority. Pharaoh and God are the main actors here in this story. Moses and Aaron are there. They're obedient mediators. But God is actually the one doing the speaking and the acting here. He's doing it through Moses and Aaron. But He is the one doing it. And Pharaoh is the one responding to God. Notice three responses about God's authority from our text. Three responses, really we could say, of every hard heart. One, the hard heart questions God's authority. Challenges God's authority. Second, the hard heart ignores God's authority. And finally, the hard heart rejects God's authority. Understanding this will help us in at least two ways. Many others though. Understanding this about the hard heart will help us to understand why it is that people in our family will not accept Christ, will not obey God, will not submit to Him. We may wonder over and over, why won't they do what they know is right? And the answer may be because they have a naturally hardened heart against God. It's just natural for a hard heart to reject God's authority. It will help us understand that, but also it will help us to beware, to see a warning sign if we recognize that we ourselves have some hardness of heart against God. We should examine ourselves in light of Pharaoh's response so that we wouldn't do the same thing as Pharaoh. Look at the first response we see out of Pharaoh. The hard heart questions God's authority. That's what Moses, uh, that's what Pharaoh is doing. God has spoken through Moses and Aaron. He has said, I am the Lord, let my people go out of Egypt. He said it more than once probably. And Pharaoh responds by questioning God's authority. He's done this already. Look at, uh, back at verse, chapter 5, verse 2, Exodus 5, 2. This is Pharaoh's first response. Who is the Lord? Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice and let Israel go? He's questioning God's authority. I do not know the Lord. Moreover, I will not let the people go. And here in 7 verse 9, uh, Pharaoh says, Prove yourselves by working a miracle. Now these words are on the lips of God. He's telling Moses and Aaron what Pharaoh is going to say. He says, When Pharaoh says to you, and then it says that they went and did just what the Lord had commanded them. So we know uh, God is telling them beforehand what Pharaoh is going to say. And this is what he says. Prove yourselves by working a miracle. Um, Pharaoh is questioning God's authority. Prove it. Moses and Aaron, you say that God is speaking to you. You say that God is giving you this message to let these people go. My people go. And I'm not having that. You see, Pharaoh was a great ruler over a great nation with uh, many slaves. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of slaves. Many great cities with huge buildings. Um, many armies. He is in control. He's the one who's in charge. And no one's going to take his authority away from him. Especially some imaginary God who Moses and Aaron have come up with 
to try to rescue the people of Israel. To question God's authority is to question His word, what He has said, or to question His power, that He is who He says He is. And the Bible teaches that this is natural for the human heart. Ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, ever since they came into sin, this is a part of our nature as humans. We have hard hearts against God who question His authority. The hard heart questions God's authority by nature. Why does, it, why does a dog bark? Because it's a dog. That's his nature to do it. Why, does a, why do mosquitoes bite? Because that's just what they do. Why does a beaver chew up wood? Because that's what comes to him by nature. And every human being by nature, because of the fallen Adam and Eve, have hard hearts against God. That's you. That's me. If you're a Christian, that's you before you were a Christian. Hard against God. If, if your neighbor's not a Christian and you wonder why they don't respond to God in faith, why they don't turn away from their sins, it's because they by nature have a hard heart against God. They do not accept God's authority. They, they question it. They challenge it. We've already seen from our opening illustration how by nature we don't like authority. We don't like those signs that tell us what to do and what not to do. We could say it's like uh, one of those air bubbles, tiny air bubbles on a freshly placed bumper sticker. You know what those do? You press on that little button to try to move it. It doesn't go where you want it to. It keeps avoiding you, keeps going away. It won't do what you want it to do. That's how we are with God. God presses His will upon us. His authority upon us and we squirm away from it. We don't like it. We want to get away from it. Stop telling us what to do. That's what our hearts naturally do. We bristle against God's Word and against His authority. This is most commonly seen in how we respond to God's words and commands to us. God tells us what we should be doing, what we should not be doing. He tells Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh bristles and says, who are you to tell me what to do? God speaks to us. Love me with everything that you've got. Heart, soul, mind, soul, spirit. Love me with everything. Love your neighbor as yourself. Not just with a feeling. With actions of goodness and kindness towards those around us. And we bristle at His word. We want to do what pleases us. If you're here and you are not a believer, you need to understand this is your heart. This is your heart, stubbornly opposed to God's authority over you. It's hard towards God. You don't like that God makes demands of you, that He claims authority over you. But believers, you know, we should think about this as well. We should test ourselves. Is there an area in my life where I am not submitting to the authority of God? Is there an area where I question and challenge His authority for me? Hebrews 3.12 says this, Take care, brothers. Notice, the author calls them brothers, Christians. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. What is your heart like? Is it hardened towards the things of God or is it soft? Towards God and His commands to you. 
Is it question God's authority over you? Or do you submit to God's authority over you? Like a trained dog to his master where he says, uh, speak and the dog barks. He says, sit and the dog sits. He says, lie down and the dog lies down. Are we like that or are we like a disobedient mutt who rejects God's word over and over again? That's what Pharaoh did. Pharaoh hardened his heart against God. He questions God's authority. He, so, so look what God does. He condescends to Pharaoh. He didn't have to prove himself. He didn't have to give evidence that he was who he said he was. But God condescends to us to show us who he is. And he condescends to Pharaoh here to give him evidence of his authority and power. Moses and Aaron did exactly as the Lord commanded. Examples of hearts softened by God. Aaron takes his staff. Remember, this is the same staff that uh, Moses had before God at the burning bush. This is the same staff that represents God's power and His authority. This represents God's presence. He throws this staff down and it becomes a snake. Now the word here for snake is not just a little old black snake or a little old garden snake. This is a ferocious snake. This is a scary snake. This is a, Some of you would run away from any snakes, but this is one you would really run away screaming from. The scary snake. He turns it into a snake. This has done, been done before. Right? This is what God did with Moses when he was standing before him at the burning bush. Throw down your staff, Moses. He threw it down and it became a snake. Pick it up by the tail, Moses. He picks it up. becomes a staff again. This was, this was done to show Moses who God was. It was that Moses might believe. Uh, and this same miracle sign was also done for the Israelites. This is what God told Moses to do so that they might believe. These are all signs done so that they would believe the word that is spoken to them. And this is a sign given to Pharaoh as well. And it's given for the same reason. That you might believe that we are the messengers of God. And that you might believe that the Lord, Yahweh, is God. He throws down his staff and it becomes a ferocious snake. But Pharaoh has his own trick up his sleeve. He calls his magicians. They're called wise men. Uh, they're kind of counselors. They're called magicians, sorcerers. Now this is, these are magicians not in the sense of doing like magic tricks for the entertainment of the people. This is like black magic. Occultic magic. Signs and wonders. Not by the power of God, but by the power of demons. We don't know exactly how they did it. Maybe it was a sleight of hand. Maybe it was by the power of demons. But here Pharaoh may have thought he had triumphed over Moses and Aaron. Check it out. Moses and Aaron, look at what our guys did. We are able to do the same thing your so-called God. This didn't take a God. Our magicians just did it. Turn their staffs into snakes as well. Then something very unexpected happens. You have to wonder too if Moses and Aaron expected this even. Something unexpected happens in verse 12. Each man cast down his staff and they became serpents. So the picture here is lots of snakes. Lots of scary snakes all over the place. But Aaron's staff swallowed up the others. Aaron's staff swallowed up the others. This one huge 
snake, gobbling up all these other snakes. It's meant as a sign, evidence, confirming the word of God, but more than that, it's a message. This is a message, a warning message. You look powerful, Pharaoh. You look strong. You have soldiers, you have power, you have great cities, your kingdom looks amazing. You may even think that you're a god. I'm going to swallow you up, Pharaoh. I'm going to swallow you up. I'm going to swallow Egypt up. I'm going to swallow everything you own up. It will be gone. But Pharaoh ignores the evidence. He ignores it. You wonder what he must have thought. How he rationalized it in his mind. How he got away from seeing the message that God had there for him. Well, snakes get hungry. Maybe the snakes were just hungry. They wanted to eat some other snakes. He ignored the message. He rationalized it somehow in his mind. The evidence was there. God's power was there on display. And he walked away from it. This is what the hard heart does. Romans 1.18 says this. The wrath of God is revealed. It's shown from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Then later he says, so they are without excuse. This is what we all do by nature. We ignore the evidence that is surrounding us. We ignore the messages from God. <clears throat> As a teenager, I cut grass and I would just I would get my clo- dirty clothes on, my dirty shoes on, and I would get my Walkman, one of those old Walkman with a cassette tape in it, put my headphones on, and I would just blast the music away. Right? Any of you do like that? You just just blast. I couldn't hear the the engine anymore. the The noise was still out there as loud as could be, but all I could hear was my music. If you do that long enough, though, you know what happens? Fortunately, it hasn't happened to me yet. But your eardrums are damaged gradually over time. Little by little, eardrums will be damaged. And then what happens one day when you take the earphones off? You still can't hear the engine. You still can't hear the engine. When people hear the Word of God and continually ignore it over and over And over again, they become desensitized to it. More and more. They hear less and less of God's Word. It's like a callus, too, that can build up on your hands. It's like a callus is if you play guitar. You'll build up, if you play guitar long enough, you'll build up these calluses on your fingertips. And then when you go to give blood and they want to prick your finger, you say, no, don't prick these. Because no blood will come out. You'll just prick callus. It won't even hurt if they do it. Build up calluses. People who hear God's word over and over again and ignore it. Build up calluses against God. Even we Christians do this sometimes. We may ignore the word of God, commands of God in a specific area of our life. And then we become slowly desensitized to it. You know what else? We may ignore the conviction of the Holy Spirit over some sin. Ignoring the Holy Spirit, the conviction, and pretty soon we become deaf to God's voice. We become callous to the point where we no longer feel the prick of the Holy Spirit upon our conscience. We no longer feel the pain 
the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't hurt so bad anymore. Do you know that's a dangerous place to be in? It's a dangerous place to be in. Christian, is there a sinful area in your life where you no longer feel the prick, the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Be warned. Be warned. Is there an area of of anger or of gossip or of pride or of lust where where you've just continued on so many times that you no longer feel guilty anymore? God, may it not be. Maybe you can't think of any sins right off the top of your head. So let me help you. Let me help you tear back a a few of those calluses. Where you don't even recognize it's a sin anymore. What about the area of evangelism? Of telling others about Jesus? And see, there the eyes of your heart just rolled a little bit. Because you don't even see that as an area of sin anymore. Where you don't speak the word when you have an opportunity. Where you don't even feel compassion for those who don't know Jesus and will be lost for eternity in hell. Do you feel the prick? Is the prick gone? Do you no longer feel the compassion that Jesus feels for them? Maybe it's in your giving. It's another callus we can build up where over time we we haven't given to the work of the Lord over and over and over again. It no longer even crosses your mind that this is an area of obedience to the Lord. Or maybe it's your commitment You are here one day, you're gone the next, you're missing two Sundays, you're here the next, you're not serving in an area of the Lord, you're not on mission for God in your neighborhood, in your workplace, it no longer bothers you anymore. God has placed these commands in His Word right in front of us and we ignore them. We ignore them. We don't even feel guilty anymore. But you're not too far gone. It's not too late. But examine yourself. And turn again to the Lord in repentance. Turn back to the Lord. Peel off those calluses. That you might feel the conviction and closeness of the Holy Spirit again. And if you don't do that. If you don't begin to heed His word. You know what may happen in the future? God may see fit to rip off that callus in a very painful way. Because He cares more about your soul than your temporary comfort. Turn. Turn back to the Lord. Turn back to Him. Believe what He says and obey His Word. Remember His grace and turn back to Him. Remember His patience with you and turn back to Him. If you're an unbeliever, why are you ignoring God's commands? Why are you you ignoring His authority? Don't do it any longer. He's been so patient with you. You see how He's being patient with Pharaoh? He goes back time and time again. He gives him warning after warning. The Lord is warning you. He's being patient with you. Turn back to Him while there's still a chance. If you feel... The conviction of the Holy Spirit today. Do not 
remain calloused against Him. Do not ignore it. Eventually you'll be so hard you won't even feel it anymore. You won't even hear Him anymore. You may never have a chance again. The Scripture says, and I say to you today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Submit to Him. Submit to His authority. Bow your knee to Him in worship and obedience. The hard heart questions the authority of God and the hard heart ignores the evidence, the messages that God gives him. But finally, he rejects it altogether. Look at Pharaoh's reaction in verse 13. Still, notice the word still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them. He asked for proof and he got it. He got more than he asked for. He not only got evidence, he got a message from God. He saw the message, I'm going to swallow you up, Pharaoh. And he ignored it. Still, Pharaoh's heart was hard. The hard heart will not listen to God. The hard heart rejects God's authority and word. But we should take notice of this last part of verse 13. Just as the Lord had said. Just as the, this is not a failure on God's part to show His power, to get His message across. It's not a failure on God's part to somehow woo Pharaoh over to his side. God could have done that if he wanted to, right? He could have said, okay, your heart's heart, I'll break it. I'll break your heart and I'll soften it. I'll mold it in the way that I want it to be. And then you will let my people go. It's not what God does. He wants to show his power. He wants to show his power by great judgments and wonders so that everyone would know this is the Lord. It's not a failure on God's part. It was just as the Lord had said. Pharaoh had already made up his mind. His kingdom, his slaves, his authority, his power, no one's going to take it away. And the continual ignoring of God's word and authority will lead finally to rejection. Many people say they want evidence of God. Say they want proof of God's existence and power. But just like Pharaoh, when it comes down to it, that's not really what they want. They want to excuse themselves in their own sin and unbelief. They want to excuse themselves from having to submit to His authority. So look, if you're here and you are not a believer in Christ or you have not submitted to Him, maybe you've even uh, been baptized, walked in aisle, but your life has not changed in any sort of way so that Someone could look at you and say you're a Christian. You want evidence of God's authority? It's all around you. Right? God's creation. Psalm 19. Psalm 19, uh, the beginning says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the skies above proclaim His handiwork. Right? The creation speaks to us about who God is and what He demands of us. The whole world of creation is speaking to us. I am God, you owe me obedience. What about the gifts that He has given you? Are these not evidence of God's authority and patience with you and love for you? Do you know what you have deserved? You have deserved eternal punishment in hell. In pain, separated from God. And He has given you life and breath and good, good food. Right? He has given us family. 
and birthdays and Christmas. He has given us amazing gifts so that we might turn away from our sins and trust in Him and give glory to Him. This is evidence of God's authority and power and love. He's given His Word. Again in Psalm 19, beginning in verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. His Word gives us evidence of who He is and what He demands of us. But if if all of those weren't good enough, we have the evidence of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross for sins and rose from the dead. This shows His evidence, His This gives evidence of His power over life and death. Do you know how the Jews responded to the resurrection of Jesus? Covered it up. When the body was missing, they covered it up. Say that that His disciples stole His body. They ignored the evidence. How will you respond today to a man who dies on a cross and gets up out of the grave on the third day? How will you respond to Him? Will you you acknowledge it with your lips and then walk out as if it meant nothing? Or will you acknowledge it, yes, with your lips and with your mind, but also with your life? Jesus rose from the dead and that changes everything. The evidence is laid before you. The message of God's warning is right here in front of us in this text. Submit to the Lord or He will swallow you up in His wrath. It's a message to all those who have hard hearts against God. It's a great warning to all of us, but you know what else? This warning also is a promise. This is a warning, but it's also a promise. Remember, Moses and Aaron also saw this sign. They saw what happened. And it wasn't a warning to Moses and Aaron. It was a promise to Moses and Aaron. When Aaron's staff swallowed the others, it was a message of promise and assurance to Moses and Aaron. Yes, you are weak. You are small. You have no power in yourself. Moses, I know that you can't speak. You're not eloquent. But you know what? I am going to swallow up Pharaoh by my power. I'm going to swallow up Egypt. I'm going to win. And when I win, Moses and Aaron, you win. When I win Israel, you will win too. Perhaps the ultimate fulfillment of this promise comes to us in Jesus. The one who always submitted to and obeyed the word of his heavenly father. He was tempted in every way and yet, as we are, yet without sin. But he was beaten. He was crucified by sinful men. He hung on a cross to suffer and die. Why didn't he resist? Why didn't He call down thousands of angels to just wipe His enemies out? Why didn't He shout out a word to the earth and it just open up and swallow His enemies up? Why didn't He do anything? But you see, on the cross, Jesus was doing something. He was doing something. He was was drinking the poison of God's wrath That was due against sinners. 
And he swallowed it down to the last drop. The cup of judgment that was meant for us, he, he drank it to the very bottom of the cup. He suffered the punishment that we deserved. He bore our punishment. He was our substitute in our place. He stood condemned. Hear the warning and hear the promise. If you do not repent and obey God, you will be swallowed up in the fires of hell for all eternity. This is the warning. But if you turn from your sins and trust in the Savior who bled and died for you, you'll not be swallowed up by, by His wrath, but you will be overwhelmed and lavished by His love and forgiveness. He will swallow up your sin by His grace, erasing it, forgiving it, and this promise will be for you. The scripture says this in Isaiah 25, 6. A beautiful picture of eternity and the feast that will come. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food. A feast of well-aged wine. Of rich food full of marrow and aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all people. The veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of His people He will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken it. Christian, in your battle with sickness, or sorrow, or sadness, do not forget that in the end the Lord wins. And He will wipe away every tear from your face. And when He wins, you will win and be with the Lord forever. Christians, in your battle with persistent sin that seems to cling to you, that seems to recur over and over again, do not forget that although you have lost this battle, by God's grace you will not lose the next one. And you know that no matter what happens in the next battle, Jesus Christ has won the war by His death on the cross. Don't forget this in your struggle with sin. Christian, in your battle with guilt over your past life, with guilt over your sins, do not forget that Jesus has paid for your sins by His death on the cross, by His blood. And because of Him you are spotless and clean. Because He won, you win too. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, this is one we leave off. We, we hear Jesus gives us the victory in Jesus. Now Paul says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we are a people who by nature have had hard, hard hearts against you. We question, we ignore, we reject your authority. And Father, now that you have even saved us, we find ourselves 
going back to some of our previous ways and we pray that you would soften our hearts, Lord. We cannot do it on our own. We're lost without you. We're lost in sin without you. Soften our hearts that we would trust and obey. I pray for the one who has come here hardened against you and is callous toward your word. And I pray that by your spirit, you would break through, break through, Lord. They would see your glory, that they would feel the conviction over breaking your law and sinning against you. And that they would see Jesus as the perfect treasure, the priceless treasure, and the Savior who died to forgive their sins. We pray that you would save sinners, that you would strengthen believers, that you would draw us closer to you through Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Please stand together as we sing our hymn of response.